Greetings, God's beloved. Thanks for tuning in to Messages of Hope, the sermon podcast from Living Hope Lutheran Church in downtown Las Vegas. We're reading the book of Exodus in worship this week, beginning in the second chapter, verses 23 through 25, chapter 3, 1 through 15, and chapter 4, 10 through 17. Thanks for listening. God bless you. Grace to you and peace from God our Father in heaven and our Lord Jesus the Christ. Amen. Near the end of this month, I'm excited. Ivy and I will celebrate our wedding anniversary. And in the 15 years we've been together, we've changed a lot. We've been through a lot. We've grown as a family and as a couple, and our relationship changes over time. It can feel like we're always getting to know each other. That might be scary to some. And when we're young and when we're dating, we might think that, well, we found someone to spend our life with and, and don't expect anything to change ever. That's how it goes, right? Life happens. You move, you meet new people, you grow, and so do they. Why should we stay the same? Well, it's science, really. When new elements are entered into an equation, introduced an experiment or a system, things change. It's good. It's supposed to be that way. Ivy and I will look back now and then in awe and wonder or thinking, did that really happen? Can you believe we made it through that? Has it really been so long? And through it all, we've, I hope, grown deeper in our relationship and know each other better every day. I think. Most days. Most days. So I was thinking this week about some of our first dates and we were just getting to know each other and I think we both wanted to learn about each other's history, including past relationships, and in an effort to get to know each other better, to find out what we were getting into. And we learned early on how to communicate, to set priorities, to work together. I think those are good things in a marriage. I'm glad to say it's helped give us a foundation for a strong marriage and hopefully a long future together. 50 years was the agreed upon term of the contract. And so far, so good. Moses' life got off to a rough start, but sure seems like God was with him from the beginning. When the ruler in Egypt was trying to keep the Hebrew people from having sons, Moses was able to survive and thrive thanks to the women in his family. Maybe a little help from God. Scripture tells us his name comes from this incident where Pharaoh's daughter drew him up from the water. The first thing we often know about someone is their name, but do we really know someone from their name? I don't know. Names are important, though. Sometimes our names signify our identity, how we'd like to be known by others, and maybe they even change over time. If you knew a little boy named Kenny, do you still call him Kenny when he's 50-plus years old? Probably not. Probably not. If you know him really well, if he's living right, yeah, (laughs) young at heart. No, it wouldn't be right to call them by the old name. You've got to get to know who they are now. Maybe our names have a deep meaning because of historical or family significance, a connection, or maybe it was just a name that was popular at the time you were born. I met somebody this week, and his name was Jason, and we looked at each other and said, we must be about the same age, huh? Yeah, yeah. It was true. Now, besides people, we name things that matter to us. We name our pets because we love them. We care for them. We want them to know us, and we want to know them. I suppose so we know how to call them when they run away or get lost or how to tell one animal from another when you have as many as I do. 
We name boats and businesses and schools and churches and camps and even cars. That's maybe a little weird. Gives the general category car, something specific. Datsun B210. That was my first car. I didn't name it like Shirley or anything like that. But some people do. Such was the case in Moses' time, right? Moses, he was an Israelite and he was raised in Egypt where there were many gods, right? And when he set out from there into Midian and places beyond the surrounding cultures, they had lots of gods too. But does Moses know this God that calls him? Well, we can assume Moses knew stories of faith because he knew of Sarah and Abraham who, who were faithful, Rebecca and Isaac who loved deeply, of Leah and Jacob who wrestled with God. But to many, the people that he would meet, Moses was an outsider. He wasn't a Midianite. He wasn't really an Egyptian. He was kind of in between. He was saved by the daughter of Pharaoh, but after intervening to protect one of the Hebrews who was being beaten, he killed an Egyptian assailant. So he had to run away to Midian. So maybe some people knew him as murderer. So he lived among the Midianites as a shepherd and a foreigner. They didn't know him. They didn't know his God. But way out there, at the edge of the wilderness, where the mountains meet the desert, we can picture that pretty easily. God got his attention. Now Moses would want to know this one who was calling to him from a burning bush. He didn't have caller ID, so he wants to know who's talking to him from the bush. Who is it? The voice is identified as the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. So they have some friends in common. They must know each other. God sets a priority. God speaks and gives Moses a purpose and a mission to free the Israelites from their labor in Egypt to continue to bring about the promises that God made to Abraham way back when. So God's going to send Moses to confront Pharaoh and command him to free the people of Israel. So it makes sense. You need uh, some information here that if you're going to go and confront a head of state, uh, you ought to be sent by someone. You don't just roll up there unannounced. It's all very overwhelming. And Moses is afraid they might not even believe him once he gets there. So he needs a name, needs something to stand on, some letter of recommendation. That might be helpful when we get into a new relationship too. You could get a letter of recommendation from your ex and go, well, here's some things to watch out for. Um, here's the good, the bad, and the ugly. Take this information, do what you will. No, maybe, maybe that's not a good idea. God answers, Moses wants a name, and God answers saying, I am who I am. Sounds strange to us. And the way it gets translated can help us think about some of the ways I am might have meaning. It might mean I will be what I will be, or I cause to be what I cause to be, which is more interesting, I think, coming from this God who made everything, the whole universe. But the name, and it's four letters in English, we say Y-H-W-H. -H. We try to pronounce it, we say Yahweh. Maybe. That's about as close as we can get in our English language. But it's purposely obscure, I think. First, it was understood that no one could see God's face and live. So Moses hides his face 
He hears a voice. It's how God chooses to communicate. But also, I think God wants to be known by more than just a name. God wants to be known by what God has done, what God does, what God will do, especially through this particular human being. But we're like that too. We don't, we don't know each other in the abstract. I don't have an idea of Pastor Matt. Pastor, that's Pastor Matt. I know Pastor Matt. I know what he does. I know his family. I know his preaching. I know some of his background. We've spent some time together. We don't know God in the abstract either. We know God who shows up for us when we're in trouble. We know God who steps into our lives by the blessings that we've received. We know God who hears our prayers, who acts for the sake of communities at risk. It's the same God who draws near to us when we suffer as individuals too, who comes alongside us in the presence of a neighbor or a friend or a family member. Here we know God intimately through word and water, through wine and bread. God who shows up longs to be with us. We know God because of a cross, because of an empty tomb, because of the one who shared the good news of God's love, a fire that doesn't stop burning. So now they've opened a dialogue, Moses and God, and like any good prophet, Moses doesn't want anything to do with this mission. He protests. So we're finding out a lot about God in the story, but, but here the question of Moses' identity becomes central. God's already called him by name, right? God knows his name. And Moses wants to know, well, who am I? Why would you call me? Moses asks, who am I that you should send me to Pharaoh? He can't imagine that would be something he would choose to do. But God promises, I'll be with you. Hear that reassurance. Because Moses' identity isn't now what he did back in his past. Now he is fully known by this God who will accompany him on the mission. And the God who knows is the God who wants to be known. So God announces, I've heard the cry of your people. I've heard the cry of my people. Finally. Even if the people didn't seem to be crying out specifically to God to lament any specific Complaint, their cries of pain and desperation, of exhaustion and frustration, rise up to God at long last, and God heard their suffering. God noticed and called Moses to notice God once again in the bush. God would be working to make the powers that be in Egypt take notice as well. But Moses didn't feel equipped to speak out. He objects. He says he's not a skilled orator or able to speak to this king of Egypt. But God promises to give him the words. But even still, Moses begs, please, just send someone else. God sounds like is getting a little frustrated here, but sees Aaron coming up the road and says, oh, how about this one? This is your brother, right? And says, he indeed shall speak for you to the people. They got to work together in relationship with God and one another. The relationships God has given us are blessings too. They let us know God is near. When one comes alongside us and speaks words of encouragement to hold our hand, to, to be 
with us. To celebrate our joys and successes too. To lend a hand. Their gift from God who blesses us this way so that we can move forward, so that we can serve one another, the people around us. To be of strength to others when someone is struggling. And we've all been through so much these past 18 months. 18 months? Is it 19 yet? From politics to a pandemic and more, and many relationships have been strained. And the ways we used to communicate have changed. And maybe our priorities have changed, but we can't stop working together. That's what a relationship is. God's people are still crying out. Their burden under the weight of disease and despair and natural disasters and the pain of isolation and mental illness and idols of productivity and profit, we are crying out to God. Hear the promise. God hears us. God knows us. And even when it seems like God is far away, God is nearest to us in Jesus. Because God is made known through what God does. And the one who knows us, who creates us, who liberates us is near. The God who loves and protects and guides and provides, heals and helps is with us. And the one who saves us, dwells with us, comes to be with us as one of us in Jesus the Christ and dies for us. And God raised him up for us this Savior, and continues to speak to us and be in relationship with us as a whole and each one of us in our fears and longings and needs. God knows us deeply and intimately. God is still speaking to us and through us and calling us to stand up and speak out for love and for justice and to trust that Jesus will be with us too wherever we go. So now Moses knows who God is and that God can be trusted. Soon Pharaoh will know. And in Christ Jesus, who knows us, who calls our names in baptism, the whole world will know. Amen.